0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today's podcast is about individualizing your nutrition plan. More specifically, it's eight ways to tailor your diet. Got to use the word tailor. Tailor because, you know, pun intended there. Um, but the whole point of this, this podcast is really to teach you how, how do you do that? What is individualized nutrition? What is a tailored approach? Um, and I mean tailored as in not only what we do as tailored coaching method, because that's obviously what we built our brand around, but also what the great coaches in the industry who are also tailoring plans do. Individualizing your diet is, is not only the most optimal way to see results, I truly believe it's the future of fitness and nutrition, which is why the evidence-based community is becoming more and more dominant in this industry. Um, I've seen this happen over time and I've tried to say over the last probably 10 years, it's been a, it's been a wild time, but probably about 10 years now I've been saying, you know, that the future of fitness, the future of nutrition is not group coaching. It's not boot camps. It's not these mass quantity places. It's, it's personalized Coaching. It's an individualized approach. It's a tailored approach. It's a very deep dive, high end service. Um, That's what a personal training originally started out as it was somebody who was your coach, your trainer, your therapist, your PT. He was the person he or she was the person who had the connections who do you need? Do you need a chiro? Do you need a massage therapist? Do you need a doctor? Do you need a hormone specialist? I have all the connections, right? This is what a trainer originally was. And that's what I believe the future is going to continue to be. And I think the reality of COVID showed us that even more, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of people freaked out. um, And a lot of gyms had to shut down a lot of group fitness things are no longer happening. But what is continuing to happen and actually is continuing to grow throughout this whole entire COVID pandemic is individualized coaching. It's personalized coaching online and somewhat in person as well. And the people who were in person are still working with those coaches because it was a personal bond. And when you have a personal bond, you break barriers and you go much further. Now. I don't want to get too much into the podcast because that's what this whole entire thing is, is going to be about, um, but today's podcast is just about that. It's about individualized coaching. I'm going to show you eight ways to individualize your diet and why it's so important to have a tailored approach to your nutrition. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I do want to mention our sponsor of this topic episode, And that is our online coaching, Tailored Coaching Method program. Yes, I do sponsor this own podcast. You've probably heard me say it before. uh, But I do want to just shine light on it because, well, it's the topic of discussion today, individualizing your diet. There's a reason we call our company Tailored Coaching Method. It's because... We do this. This We are, in my opinion, at the forefront of tailoring the diet, tailoring the training, tailoring the lifestyle to the client we are working with. And we wanted to tag our own brand as the tailored approach because that's what we believe we are and we stand proud at the quality of service we provide. So if you're stuck, if you're confused, if you've quote unquote tried it all and you still haven't seen the result you want to see, be that building muscle, losing fat, improving health, fixing your joints, whatever it may be. If you are still stuck and you've tried it all and you want real results and you want a system that is personalized to you, please do me a huge favor. Click the link in the description in the podcast, uh, in the show notes that will lead you to a coaching application. Once you fill that out, you will get reached out to by us, one of our coaches, uh, with a text to set up a free call where you can talk to us about what coaching is all about. No obligations, no strings attached. Let's just chat. Let's educate you and let's give you some details and, and map out a plan for you on the phone. Then we can decide if it's a good fit for both you and us. Now, without any further ado, Let's get into this podcast. Eight ways to individualize or tailor your diet. To individualize what you do is not only the most optimal way to see results. I think it's the future. I, I, I've been saying it's the future. I think it's why coaches like myself. Um, I can I can think of quite a few, honestly, over the last decade. Uh, myself, Jason Phillips, Doctor John Russin, Christian Thibodeau, um, Jason Brown. Uh, Sam Miller, Jordan Duggar, Brad Jensen. Um, I mean, the list goes on. There's so many great coaches out there. There's so many great coaches I've talked to on this podcast. Um, But even like the people who really started a lot of this, right? Like, I I mean, let's go way back, right? Let's go to like Michael Boyle. You know, if you don't know Michael Boyle, look up Michael Boyle, Dan John. Um, These people, they did a lot of group stuff, but they were so focused on the personal connection to each individual and they understood that each individual is different that it completely changed the group model approach. Um, if we look at people in the nutrition space, it's the same thing. Alan Aragon, right? He was one of the like founders, essentially, of of uh, nutrition, of macros, of, of, of counting macros, flexible dieting, right? Dr. Joe, Eric Helms, uh, the Stronger Best Science guys, all those people, they understand. And that's why this is, is growing. You know, that's why many friends of mine and people in the evidence-based community, it's growing and growing and it's becoming more and more dominant in the industry because it gives us what science is saying and studies are proving um, while also implementing the experiences we have with real people because that's ultimately what great results come from. It's what great coaching is. It's science and experience put together, um, which is the exact information we need in order to completely customize somebody's nutrition or training program, right? We need that information. We need that experience. We need to know what our own personal research has shown, our research on our own bodies, our research on our clients' bodies, our research on what we've written and read and, and listened to people about, and also what we've seen inside the research, right? This real scientific research. Um, it's also why I think things like Fitbit, Apple Watch, BioForce, HRV technologies, and so many other like wearable um, tracking devices are exploding in the tech industry and in the fitness space. Um, it allows us to track metrics and individualize them to our bodies, our goals, our timelines, our lifestyles, our schedule, etc. right? So um, I think it's, I, I mean, Blood is in the water, right? The signs are on the wall. Like if you, if, you, if you look at what's going on, if you look at who's rising to the top, um, and not from, a, from an influencer standpoint, right? Like if we – I'm not saying like if you see who has the most followers on Instagram, you'll, you'll know. No, what I'm saying is you'll see who's getting the best results, with their clients. You'll see who's experiencing the most client-coach relationships. You'll see who is transitioning in and out the most clients, and they're sustaining the results afterwards, right? You'll see who's, who's being talked about in the coaching space behind social media, right? Um, and you see the technologies change. You see the amount of data people are putting into it. I mean, shit, I've been tracking biofeedback metrics for my clients for I don't know how many years. Um, it's, it's just something that's so valuable. And it, it's a, a big, big indicator to individualize the process to a person. Uh, but today we're going to focus on nutrition. Um, you know, because this, this does apply to training and nutrition. Very heavily, but we're going to focus on nutrition alone um, and call this part one. Uh, I promise I will drop part two at some point, and it'll be just for training. I'm going to write a blog on it too. I have written a blog on this. I'll link it in the show notes of this podcast. Um, eight ways to individualize your diet uh, is the the um, blog title. I will link and I will do. I don't know how many. It'll be seven or nine or. 12. <laughs> we'll see how many I come up with um, ways to individualize your training as a part two to this podcast. So I'll write that and then I'll record a podcast for you on it too. Um, don't know if that'll be in a couple of weeks or a couple months, but it will come out eventually. It's on my list of many others and I and I will slowly get through it. But um, before we get into how to individualize your diet, let's talk about what, let's define these things. So what is individualized? By definition, it's Tailoring something to suit the individual. Um, an individualized learning program, in quotes. What is nutrition? Nutrition is the process of providing or obtaining the food necessary for health and growth. In quotes, a guide to good nutrition. These are both literal definitions, but let's combine these two things, individualize and nutrition. Individualized nutrition would be tailoring or customizing a food plan diet in order to create desired changes, fat loss, muscle gain, performance, health in such a way that builds consistency adherence for that specific individual. So I think it's clear now why this is so powerful. It's a nutrition plan which produces results, but it's designed for you specifically to be able to easily follow it with great adherence, great consistency, and consistent results right? Proof that it's working. Now, for the million dollar question here, how do we do it? How do we achieve this? Um, Well, that's why we have these eight principles that we're going to cover today. And the first one being caloric periodization or nutritional periodization, which again, I've written uh, extensively about because it's something I'm very passionate about. You know, there's a lot of research on this, but um, I also think that my experience slightly differs from what the research says or takes a different interpretation, right? So I I have written about it pretty extensively um, and I've talked about it on the podcast multiple times, uh, both in my reverse dieting blogs and podcasts as well as my nutritional periodization blogs and podcasts. So go check those out, I'll link them in the show notes. Um, But one thing we know without a doubt in mind is that calories matter, right? Like if we get down to the nuts and bolts of things, if you are over-consuming calories, you'll be in a calorie surplus and you will gain weight, you'll gain fat. If you're under-consuming calories, you're in a calorie deficit and you will lose weight or fat. The caveat with a calorie deficit is that if you stay there chronically, your body will adapt and lower its maintenance and metabolic rate, um, and that will lead to stalls or complete halts in weight loss despite being in a caloric deficit. But that's a different category. Uh, That's a completely different topic when we talk about metabolic adaptation, which is why, again, I wrote a really in-depth blog and podcast about this. I'll link those in the show notes. Um... But if you go into a deficit, your body will adapt, right? There is a threshold. There is a point where this slows down and stops. And technically, you won't be in a deficit anymore, even though the number looks like you are in deficit. So, um, and the same is in the reverse, right? If you go into a caloric surplus chronically, you will gain weight. Your body will adapt by accumulating fat, slowing down, so on and so forth, right? It's very, very bad both ways. There's There's a middle ground to find. So, we know calories need to be measured, And set in order to achieve any type of body composition goal, whether that's positive or negative, right? We need to know what those numbers are, and that's obvious. Um, So I'm not gonna spend too much time breaking that down because it's just kind of beating a dead horse. We all know this calories matter. What I do wanna talk about is individualizing that caloric process. Like, what does that look like? Um, But that's where caloric periodization comes into play. Or, in other words, how do you distribute your calories throughout the week? Um, month, year, right? Week to week, week to week, week to week, essentially. Um, and the first one is calorie cycling. So there's, there's quite a few different ways to do this, but essentially the first part of individualizing your diet to you is caloric periodization. It's how are you periodizing your calories over the weeks and months until you get to your result. And the first one is calorie cycling, which is super easy and simple to do. Um, it's a very well-known, popular topic, uh, and it's, it's been a popular strategy over the last couple decades. Um, it's, it's more commonly known as carb cycling, and I 100%, 100%, 100% please go check out the carb cycling Podcast and blog I just did. It's its unbelievable. I put a lot of effort into that. I've got a lot of great feedback. So I'll link those in the show notes as well. Really, really powerful podcast. Um, it was very recently, either when this airs or probably just a, a week or two ago um, on a Monday. And it's called Everything You Need to Know About Carb Cycling. Really good. Go check it out. Um, but this, this is basically what we're talking about here, right? Calorie cycling. Is what carb cycling is. It's just that carb cycling is usually the method used in order to achieve calorie cycling. So during the days of hard training, uh, you have a higher carb, also calorie, intake, and on the days you are resting and/or just doing cardio, you have a lower carb and calorie intake. Science shows that the biggest benefits here are that it may increase recovery and performance during those hard sessions due to having more carbs readily available around the training window, which is the body's preferred fuel source, and it's going to help uh, facilitate better management of cortisol, growth hormone, insulin, so on and so forth for muscle and fat to do its thing, Um, muscle build, fat loss, um, but it also might help people create a caloric deficit more easily compared to having lower calories all week. I'm not going to dive too deep into this because I did a full hour-long podcast on this. But essentially, um, the gist of it is carb cycling may just allow you to train harder. If it does, you'll enjoy training more and you'll be more motivated to continue. Or it may just help you adhere to a calorie deficit easy, easier because at the end of the week, if your caloric balance is there, then it doesn't matter if you have every single day as a deficit or just some days as a deficit. If your weekly total deficit is met, you will lose the same amount of weight. And we've seen this in studies. Linear intake across the week or cycling up and down. Um, the thing here is that for some people, like let's say we do a linear approach, you're just kind of cutting calories every day. It's effective, uh, but it's kind of miserable at a certain point for some people, right? So if, if for some people, they thrive on it and they're totally fine because um, they don't like planning up high and low days, which is understandable as well. But for some people, if you consistently do uh, a moderately low calorie diet every day to lose weight, which will be effective. It just kind of wears on your mind. You know, you're just like, ah, I'm dieting, you know, but if you have carb cycling, you have a day where you're like, I'm definitely fucking dieting. <laughs> like I'm in a set I feel it. I'm tired, but I'm going to grind through it. Like I'm motivated. I'm going to get this grit because tomorrow I have a high carb day and it's my squat day. So I'm super excited to eat a big bowl of oats in the morning. And then I'm going to train super hard. So you have this motive of like tomorrow I'm not dieting. So it's all good. Right, but you have these hard day, diet days. So sometimes that allows better adherence. The second way is a 5 2 calorie loading. Uh, this is less common, uh, but something we tend to lean towards in anyone who may possibly be experiencing hormonal compensation uh, in the past, chronic dieting, things like that. Um, and, and by hormonal compensation, I mean they may have had issues with any of the hormones, if they've had metabolic issues, if they've had sex hormone issues, or if they've had cortisol stress hormone issues. We know that refeeding multiple days in a row isn't going to reverse any hormonal effects, but it will help mitigate and manage them better. Um, And we do this with people who have a weekend warrior mentality. Uh, This way, this strategy, the way this strategy works is essentially just having five days in a row where you're in a solid deficit to create fat loss. Um, How big of a deficit kind of depends on the person and how stubborn their body is or is not um, in losing fat. So it could be anywhere from five to 30%, which is huge, right? Five is very little. 30 is a massive deficit um, of their maintenance calories. Then two days a week on back-to-back days, you will increase calories to a maintenance or a slight surplus. And This gives a good psychological break more than anything, uh, helps refuel muscle glycogen as well, which is going to continue to push uh, training, but it also helps maintain hormonal and metabolic health uh, and stress management, right? So again... The the longer we are in a diet, the lower our metabolic rate gets, the higher our cortisol stress hormone gets, and then usually the de- decreasing of thyroid and other sex hormones start to lo- start to happen, starts to decline, right? Um, well. This isn't going to reverse that. If you're in a deficit for six months, you're going to have that regardless. But if you do an approach like this, you might actually have it to a lesser extent is the big thing here, right? And again, adherence is better. So you might actually be able to stick with it for six months compared to just intake seven days a week constantly for six months. Um, But we got to remember too, for some people, this doesn't work. And This is why individualizing the process is something we have to consider. For some people, five days is just not enough in order to see any positive benefit, right? We, we don't see their body change in just five days. We need to go 10 to 14 to 21 days before taking a refute or diet break because their bodies are just more stubborn and it actually happens more often than not. Um, and we, we just found a study. Actually, I wrote the article that this podcast is based on before the study was even done, but they just did a study. Dr. Bill Campbell actually had him on the podcast to talk about the study. Uh, and he sent me the study right after it was published. It was a great, Great paper, um, but it, it uses this approach. Five days in a row, deficit, weekend was refeed. Um, and they saw positive results. They didn't see reversal and reversal hormonal changes, but they did see the same body composition changes with the allowed refeed days every week. So why wouldn't we do it? You know? And potentially more muscle maintenance they saw. There's, there's some debate of how they tracked this, um, but there's always so much criticism in every single study that I kind of just, I, I ignore the haters, so to speak, because I've seen positive uh, benefits of doing this and in, in maintaining muscle. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, the next strategy, six, one deficit plus refeed. And this is a pretty common way of going into a diet. Um, something we use on a high majority of clients, uh, that we've coached over the years because it's, it just it's easy, right? It's six days of a normal deficit followed by one refeed day. The refeed day is the day where we bring calories up to around maintenance level, solely carbohydrates, because that's the, uh, it's going to have the best, response from a muscle from a physiological sense regardless right so we know that that may impact the thyroid it's going to replenish muscle glycogen for better training it's going to mitigate cortisol all more than fat would so if we're going to increase on one day a week it's best to do it via carbs however we do promote flexibility on these days so if somebody does better with fats on that day because they want to go out to dinner they want just more room for fats then we will say hey track calories and protein Here's your your refeed calories, right? Um, But essentially, it's just six days of a normal deficit and one refeed day, right? The refeed day, um, ideally, is carbs, but we can do it in a flexible approach. And this is something that is kind of very. it's individualized when coaching someone because we can do these every four days seven days 10 days 14 days 21 days really like a, a single day refeed um it can be just on social events and holidays right it all depends on how frequently that individual needs to refeed um and what their individual time for fat loss actually is and the individual needs of a refeed kind of depend on how social are they uh how how much of a psychological burden is the diet on them. So how much mental fatigue a- acquires from dieting. Um, and then also how flat do they feel, right? I have certain clients that go to the gym, they come back they're like, man, I feel flat. And I'm like, well, we've been at this diet for a little bit. So let's take a couple days to refeed and then get you back out there. Right? So we're kind of reactive with it. I'm waiting for them to say, Hey man, I'm, I'm feeling lethargic in the gym. I'm like, okay, let's bump it up. The next way is weekly alternating calories. This is where we alternate low. We- weeks uh, low calorie weeks and maintenance level weeks every other or every two weeks um, I mean there's really a, a lot of ways you can spin this, but it, you basically are alternating deficit and maintenance phases week after week, or you may run it as a two one ratio of deficit to uh, maintenance um, again, depending on the individual situation, this is f- pretty new, um, pretty new being like the last couple of years um, and, and originally kind of got popular after the Matador study came out. Um, and so there's still not a ton of people implementing this, but, you know, right when the Matador study came out, the and I can't think of what the Matador study stands for, but essentially it's, it's, uh, it, it was alternating diets. So they had one diet that was, uh, I think, 16 weeks long, and then they had one that was 32 weeks, so twice as long. But it's it's they did straight diet for 16 weeks, or they did two weeks on, two weeks off for 32 weeks. So it was twice as long, but they had literally the same amount of deficit weeks as they did diet break weeks they saw the same exact results from a fat loss perspective But they may have seen improvements in metabolic function and health at the end of the study. Now, some people argue that, um, again, it's hard to to extrapolate that from what they say in the study, from how they recorded this. And the main benefit we see here is psychological. So the person is just able to more healthily follow a diet for a longer period of time when these diet breaks are included because it's just less fatiguing. You get less diet fatigue accumulating over time because you have more breaks implemented, right? It's like, I always say it's like working. If you never had a weekend off, you would be so burnt out so much quicker, right? But because you have weekends off, you can go months and months and months without taking a vacation. So it's the same exact concept here. But um, what I would say is that although the research does suggest metabolic changes and the interpretations from many researchers and research reviewers kind of says like, eh, we can't tell that for sure. And I would agree, we can't. But my experience tells me to lean on that. Uh, I've, I've worked with so many people now and I've used diet breaks with so many people and I've seen positive changes, not only from a standpoint of like, hey, they can adhere to the diet better or hey, they're less burnt out from a mental perspective or hey, they can train harder because they have more carbs, which leads to more muscle glycogen, but also because they have m- improvements in biofeedback. If, if I'm doing diet breaks with somebody and because of those diet breaks and, and especially because... I work with people who have never used diet breaks before. So they go into diets, crash course style. Then they come to me or my team and we're like, hey, let's, let's implement these diet breaks and refeeds periodically in an intelligent manner. What we see with them is like, whoa, I haven't slept this great in a long time, let alone when I'm dieting. Man, I haven't been this strong during a diet ever. Man, it hasn't been this easy to follow a diet ever, right? My stress is much lower than the last time I dieted, right? Like my hormones feel better. No, certain people have a hard time telling, but you know, this is where personalized coaching becomes pretty damn personal. Like for guys, it's like, Hey, do you have a sex drive, man? Are you waking up in the morning with, you know, and it's like, yes or no. And if it's a no, it's like, okay, then, then we're running your body down, man. Like, let's, let's take some diet breaks. Let's work on this. So for some guys like, man, I haven't had a libido like this during a diet for some women. It's like my period, my hormonal health, my sex drive. None of this has been this good during a diet. So there's a lot of things that we can do to try to mitigate it. Right. So this is just one of them. Um, And again, the studies are kind of inconclusive, but I truly, truly believe that. So um, I've personally seen great results with it is my big point here, Um, especially if anybody's experienced any issues in the past. But I think in general, it's one of those things where you have to be able to tweak it according to the individual. I have some clients that do best with every other week. So it's like one week on, one week off, one week on, one week off. And then they hit a plateau instead of me dropping calories. I go, hey, we're going to go two weeks on, one week off a plateau, three weeks on, one week off, right? You can do that as well. Or if they work better with having frequent diet breaks, you just lower the calories on both the deficit and the diet break weeks because as you diet, you drop weight, your your metabolic rate drops because you're lighter. You're not, you know what I mean? It's not an unhealthy thing. It's just you don't have as much body mass, which is the goal in the first place. So if you're dieting, you should expect to eat less calories to maintain the result you get because you literally weigh less. <laughs> so You need less food to maintain that, but, um, you can do it. I've done it to where it's like, okay, well, let's tweak this a little bit more. Let's go every six weeks. We'll take a two week diet break, right? I have some people that it's like, Hey, I'm going to give you sporadic refeeds for like one to three days, depending on how you're feeling, what the situation is. And then every 12 weeks, we're taking a full month, right? Four to six week period at maintenance recover. Then we're going to jump back into the diet. So it's, it's technically six months in a deficit, but it might take us you know, 12 months, right? If we, if we cycle through long-term deficit, moderately, like a, a moderate timeline maintenance, right? So like, think of it like this, three months on one month off, three months on one month off. That's a six month diet that actually takes eight months instead of six, right? If we do that again, we're already at that 12 month mark, but that is where people not only get a greater result, but they do in a healthier manner. And at the end of it, they have better blood work and they can sustain the result much better. The last one is linear caloric intake. This is the most common and and pretty obvious. you just you create a deficit or a surplus if if you're going in the weight gain route and you just stay there for seven days a week, straight. Linear basically means straight line. So this is just implying that we're not cycling or adjusting calories up or down at all throughout the week or the month. You just follow your daily caloric intake every single day. Um, This is less individualized, but it's proven to work and keeps things pretty simple. And sometimes it's better to do this until you need to start adding in diet breaks or some kind of periodization tool. Um, It's extremely straightforward. And because of that, in any situation, it's a great approach. And this is actually, this is exactly what I'm doing currently. Um, I think in the future, we might implement diet breaks once my calories get lower. But right now I'm eating in a food where I feel good. So it's like, why, why play with it? Let's just stay in the deficit and let's just get it, get it done. Right. Um, so wrapping this part up, this caloric periodization, which is probably going to be the longest bullet I go into today because it's one of my favorites, um, that I'm most passionate about, uh, calories in versus calories out matters most right? Like that's, that's the overarching thing we have to remember, but making it individualized is key for sustainability and adherence day to day, which is why we know the number one priority, um, is consistency, right? We know that we have to accomplish that consistency or nothing really works. And this is how we do that. You know what I absolutely hate prepping my own meals, I hate sitting there and cooking meal after meal, putting them in containers, saving them myself, doing all the work, and they never turn out good because I suck at cooking. But that's why I started using Eat to Evolve. In fact, you can head over to eat2evolve.us and enter the promo code BOOM20 to save 20% on your first order. They give you free shipping if you order over $100, which is pretty damn easy to do if you're setting up most of your meals, and it's never frozen, so it's actually fresh. This is not some microwavable mush you're gonna get from any other company. This is a gourmet meal, and if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen some of those meals on my story. My favorite being the maple shredded pork with sweet potato hash. But the reason I wanted to bring this to your attention is because this is our newest podcast sponsor and i couldn't be more excited because it's actually good meals done for me they have the macros on the container and they're going to work for our clients as well so if you are in need of a meal prep service you're tired of prepping your own meals or you just suck at cooking and you, you're too lazy to do it yourself or learn this is the perfect place to go again eat to evolve.us there's a link in the description of this podcast and you can enter the promo code boom 20 to save 20 percent on your first order without any further ado let's get back into the podcast which leads us perfectly into the next uh, bullet, which is calorie composition. So macros, basically, like what is your calories comprised of? Um, and that's the next way we make your nutrition individualized, right? Which may be obvious to some of you, but especially those who, you know, follow my work or directly work with us, like it's macros, right? Uh, but macros are somewhat the pinnacle of all things nutrition. What I mean by that is, is that it's something everyone should try to work towards being more aware of because uh, if it, it, it leads to the biggest body composition and performance changes when it comes to nutrition. Yes, calories are king and they dictate the way your weight will fluctuate up or down. But those calories are broken down into macronutrients. and the way you portion out your macros will determine how well you perform, how well you build muscle, how your hormones are being regulated and how healthy they maintain, uh, what your recovery is like, how you sleep, uh, the way you burn fat, how, how well you burn fat, Uh, how you stay full during diet, so how do do you keep satiation high, how do you maintain muscle during diet, and so much more, right? There's just so many benefits to breaking up those calories into a deeper level. Um, Adding to to all of that, there are times where you cannot change calories at all, um, but you can shift the composition of those calories, i.e. change the macro ratio and create further fat loss, which goes against the rule of thumb, which says calories are everything. Uh, It's just not true, because I've had countless people who come to me With And the easiest way to describe this is you come to me and you're eating 2,000-calorie diet and you're not losing weight. You weigh 200 pounds and you're consuming 100 grams of protein. So I'm going to take away 100 grams of carbs and I'm going to give you 100 grams of protein. Your calories stay at 2,000. I promise you, you are going to start losing weight pretty rapidly, right? Because calorie composition matters, right? And I've even seen people where I've taken fats away and brought carbs in keeping calories the same, and that led to fat loss results. I've also seen people where I took carbs away and I added fats in and protein or something along those lines, and that led to results. So it's more than just calories. So to ignore macros is to ignore one of the prime movers in fat loss, muscle gain, health, and performance, period. So where should your individualized macros be set at? Extremely loaded question in itself, but um that's actually part of the reason why I wrote the book, the tailored nutrition method, which I highly recommend. Um if you really want to dive deep into that stuff, uh you can click the link in the description. I believe it's in there or just head over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com and it'll be on the homepage. You'll see it pop up and it'll say, "Hey, grab our free ebook." If you haven't read the Taylor, the tailored nutrition method, it really goes over everything you can imagine. But in general, we can kind of just suggest making a generalized calculation. So you're going to set your calories first. Um, These are broad ranges, but let's just say like for fat loss, anywhere between 10 to 14 times body weight for maintenance, anywhere between 13 to 15 times body weight and for muscle gain um, or weight gain or just getting into a surplus for for better performance, uh, body weight times 15 to 18. Right. Those are not individualized. So when you work with a coach, we would individualize those because everybody's different. And I know people who lose fat at muscle gain calorie, uh, equations for other people, right? So it, it really does depend on the person's activity level and their lifestyle and their genetics. Um, we set the protein goal second, which again, for generic purposes for fat loss, probably between one to 1.2 grams per pound. Maintenance is around one gram per pound, sometimes slightly above that. And even fat loss, you can go all the way up to 1.5 safely. Um, muscle gain, uh, or weight gain, you, you know, technically just 0.8, but I would suggest going a little bit higher because when you go into a surplus, you start getting a lot of protein from trace sources like oats, rice, broccoli, things like that. And I would rather have more animal protein coming into the diet. Um, And then last but not least, you set fats, right? Uh, um, I'm sorry, not last. Third, you set fats, last is carbs. Third, you set fats, Uh, fat loss anywhere between 25 to I mean really it's anywhere between 20 to 40% maintenance 20 to 30 muscle gain 20 to 25% of calories and and really none of those matter like you can as long as you're consuming I would say if you're at maintenance or below like if you're in a deficit or a maintenance then 20% minimum if you 20% of your calories is coming from fats you're going to be in a healthy place hormonally when you go into a surplus sometimes that can lower a little bit below 20 Percent and you can still maintain good hormonal health because you're in a surplus, right? So the calories coming in are going to provide that health regardless. But after you do this equation, whatever's left, set them to carbs. And the truth about what I just kind of broke down or laid out very quickly and briefly for a for a macro prescription is, although it works, it's it's again, it's not an individualized approach. Those are general numbers and broad ranges to just get people started, create a baseline, to create individualized macros truly create them individualized and tailored to the person we need to consider uh, what the person's diet history is like first you know have they been chronically in a deficit uh, have they neglected any one macro before so have they followed an extremely low fat or extremely low carb diet what do they fall towards naturally right do they tend to crave more fats or crave more carb-based food what fuels their body better because although in general carbs are pri- the primary fuel source we do see people who run better on fats What is their specific goal? Like are they solely focused on weight or visual fat loss? Do they want to build muscle in the process or at least maintain some of their muscles? Is that important to them? Um, Is performance important to them and strength? Um, Do they want to lose weight without really worrying about training a whole lot at all? Like they don't want to train? You got to know what their specific goal is. And then last but not least, we got to know what their lifestyle is like. This is the big kicker in our coaching program personally because if you are very social and attend activities pretty often, if you have a family, if you have a busy work schedule, if you don't sleep enough, if if you have stress, if you have depression, it's doubtful that just giving you generic or even you going online and creating generic things is going to work for you because we need to tailor that for you. Right, like I doubt that a low carb approach would make sense for somebody who is stressed out, depressed, very busy, high training output, um, has a busy family life, is very social, right, um, or in the same way, if you're super sedentary and you don't really go out at all like you're not a social butterfly and you don't train super hard, a low carb approach may be exactly the right approach for you. I know a lot of people who just naturally jumped on a low carb diet and they t- shed a ton of weight, it worked amazing there the point here is that your lifestyle should dictate the diet, not the other way around. Your diet should not dictate your lifestyle. So point two is caloric composition. Uh, What are those calories made up of? I try to tell people, you know, like calories are the the thing that moves the needle, but at the end of the day, macros are how you individualize that caloric intake, which matters so much in order to facilitate the best result possible. Bullet number three is going to be food selection part one because we have three parts to the food selection idea. And this part one is about adherence. Um, For obvious reasons, it's the most important. (laughs) Anything you can't follow for longer than 30 days is just not worth investing your time, energy, or money into Unless you have a specific strategy on how to get out of that approach and sustain the results afterwards, which is doubtful, because if it's something that you truly cannot follow for 30 days, it's just not smart, right? Because consistency is king, period. Plain and simple. End of story. The reason I'm categorizing or pairing this up with food selection, though, is because when we consider an individualized plan with nutrition, we need to consider the foods that you enjoy consuming on a regular basis. That means following points number one and two with calories and macros, tracking and hitting both of those things, but also including the foods you like. So imagine this. You start your nutrition coaching with me and I tell you, I want you to eat nothing but chicken and tilapia for your protein, uh, sweet potatoes for your starch carbs, blueberries for your fruit source, broccoli and spinach for veggies, and nothing but olive oil and almond butter for fats. Will this work for getting you shredded? To be completely honest, yes, it would because they're all really nutrient-dense foods that are easy to track. They're, they're really easy to measure. I've done this because this is how my prep was. It was very strict. It works. It absolutely will. But it's it, because it's really like low um, – it's low-calorie, high-volume foods, right? So it, they're all easy-to-digest food groups. Um, they're high nutrient dense, like I said before, and they're extremely easy to just control from a measurement perspective. You, you can measure chicken and tilapia, and you know how much it is versus you're scanning a box and, and you hope that at the factory they actually made the right portion size, right? Um, but is it individualized? Not at all. Why? Because maybe you hate tilapia and chicken. Maybe you prefer strawberries instead of blueberries or bananas. Maybe you would rather have green beans instead of broccoli and maybe you love cooking in coconut oil and you can't stand olive oil. So not only do you hate the menu, but you also want to eat everything that's not on the list simply because I told you to stay away from it. We're we're humans. We want what we can't have. So doing this with your diet is a recipe for destruction. Adding to that, it doesn't educate you on the caloric and macronutrient loads for the foods that I suggested in that meal plan. In other words, it's like, how do you substitute in the things you love, right? Like, you can't. And that goes for healthy whole food sources, just as well as junk foods, um, which I suggest keeping junk food in there. I mean, not junk food. I I suggest being flexible 10 to 20% of the time, meaning foods that may not be quote-unquote healthy, 10 to 20% of the time, you can do it, right? But an individualized plan allows substitution in a wide variety of foods because that's exactly how adherence becomes strongest. If I teach you what foods can go in and out, if I teach you the importance of fruit and why it's not just this one fruit, if I teach you the importance of protein and why there's many different protein sources, if I teach you how to rate and kind of become aware of your digestion and then what good carb sources usually lead to good digestion, then we can see which one works best for you. you know, maybe you don't like sweet potatoes, but you like regular potatoes, great. Maybe you don't like either, but you like oats and rice, great. You know, maybe you like bagels, okay, let's add some, let's find a good brand of bagels and add those in, right? But that's what's ultimately gonna, if we help you with food selection, we can help your adherence. Number four, which would be the second part of food selection is digestion, which I kind of touched on. Um, I, I remember I used to eat cream of rice uh, pretty much every single day. And it's it's kind of a weird food um, that probably only your grandparents <laughs> eat or old school bodybuilders. But I love it because it's, it's literally pure carbohydrate and it provides me with a solid pump during my workouts. Um, and it's extremely, extremely easy on my gut, which is probably why old people and bodybuilders eat it. Um, but That is a form of individualization, right? I'm using my history of dieting, self-awareness, and knowledge taken from tracking my nutrition to learn what foods work best in my own body, and I'm tailoring the food I'm eating to that fact, right? The reason this is so important is because the gut is literally our second brain. If we don't treat it properly, we will not see body composition results, period. Poor gut health can lead to some very serious detrimental autoimmune diseases, which would be the most extreme case here, but it can also lead to lack of nutrients, uh, so like a nutrient absorption, so how well you're taking in nutrients, insulin resistance, poor hormonal health because the gut's tied to the hormonal system, the endocrine system as well, Um, extreme bloating and gas, which can really throw you off, especially mentally. Um, And it can obviously cause bowel issues, which masks any weight loss that could potentially be happening in the first place. So not only does all of this directly slow down fat loss, muscle gain performance, and obviously health, but also it just generally makes us feel like shit. No pun intended here. And as you've heard me say probably uh, a million times, even just in today's podcast, adherence is number one. If you feel like shit, you will not adhere to the diet. If you do not adhere to the diet, you are lacking consistency. And if you lack consistency, you will not see sustainable results, period. So how can you begin to make this individualized to you personally from a digestive standpoint? Pretty simple. Record your diet for a while. Uh, build self-awareness with the foods you are eating, track your biofeedback daily and weekly, which would include digestion, Uh, purposefully select foods that agree with your body best, and then eliminate the foods that do not agree with you 90% of the time. Doesn't mean eliminate them completely, just cut them out most of the time and see what happens with your digestion, see what happens with how your body feels, see what happens with your performance, see what happens with your sleep. You would be surprised. As you absorb nutrients better because you're improving digestion, you will improve performance. Like people forget to tie these two together, but they're so tied together. And number five, the last of the food selections is ease of preparation. Um, This is a quick one, uh, but uh, because I I really don't need to break down any science to explain this in much detail. Uh, But like, for example, I love uh, shredded chicken uh, in the crock pot, right? It's, it's basically like it's the, it's so funny because it's the easiest thing Shannon, my wife cooks, but it's the thing I, I ask for the most. And it's literally chicken breast, a little bit of water and a bunch of sugar-free barbecue sauce in a crock pot. Like, so everybody, if you're listening to this and you like shredded chicken, take, take like two or three chicken breasts, throw them in the crock pot. I mean, obviously two or three for you and another person, two or three chicken breasts, put them in the crock pot, um, put water, a little bit of water. And, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's something Hughes, JG Hughes, barbecue sauce, sugar-free barbecue sauce. Get the original or the hickory. Do not get the sweet and spicy. Actually, you can get sweet and spicy, but original is the best. But dump the whole damn bottle in there and just let it cook and then shred it up. Once it starts cooking, shred it up with two forks and let it cook longer. And it's literally like, it's like pulled pork, right? It's like pulled chicken. Um, but it's healthy, right? It's zero, zero sugar, Barbecue sauce, so it's really low carb, it's high protein, obviously, and that's it. That's all that's in there. So it's healthy, it has great ingredients, it's easy to track because the ingredients are very easy to track because um, there's not that many ingredients, and it can easily fit into my nutrition plan. Um, but it is not easy, like, so th- the biggest thing is that it's so easy with preparation. So to use another example, I also love this other thing that Shannon cooks. It's, uh, I guess like a fajita shredded chicken, bean salsa soup. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's amazing. Um, it's healthy because all the ingredients are super healthy. Um, it has a lot of fiber, a lot of protein, has some carbs in it, but not too many. It's, it's moderately low fat, which makes it easier to fit into my diet because I follow a generally low fat diet. Uh, but I love it. It's, it's unbelievable. I usually even save room to throw some cheese on it. It's so good. So, um, the problem with this is even though it's, it is healthy, it has great ingredients, I can track it and it can fit in my plan, it is not easy to prepare at all. Um, so prepping out this for days in advance and doing the, the macro work, so taking this soup that has 10 different ingredients, right? They're all healthy ingredients and they all can be tracked, but I'm playing this macro game now of trying to add in every little tiny ingredient. That can be difficult to do because now not only do I have to create this dish that takes forever, I got to prep it and I got to portion it and then I got to cross my fingers and hope that my guesstimations with the macros are correct. Because of that, it's it's very rarely in my diet. Like we don't have those kind of things all the time. Most of our meals throughout the week are very simple meals done well. So they're easy to track. So um, and, and again, this really comes back to adherence because we need to be able to easily prepare our meals if we're planning to stick with them for an extended period of time. This is exactly why bodybuilding meal plans do typically work really well at first. It's extremely easy to prepare a bunch of meals on in advance when you're sticking to the same exact foods and eating them by themselves pretty much plain. The issue becomes longevity obviously because it's just not fun right? You don't enjoy that diet. You get bored quick. But the point here is that in order to make your specific menu or nutrition plan individualized, you need to combine the idea of loving your foods and being able to easily prepare them, make them creative, but don't overcomplicate them and expect to have some gourmet recipe at every single meal. It's okay to have a very simple egg white omelet, right? Breakfast for me a lot of times is egg whites cooked in coconut oil with some veggies and then sometimes I'll the whole oak in it, right? Some salsa. It's like five ingredients, all really easy to track, right? And some meals are even like two or three ingredients like that chicken I talked about. Um, Or maybe you do a shake, whey protein and Greek yogurt with berries and spinach and peanut butter. Easy to do. You can measure everything accurately and it's, it's a really filling high calorie meal, right? That fills you up. So point being, ease of preparation is really important. Make sure that most of your eels are Meals are easy to prepare. Number six is daily nutrient distribution, which is really just a fancy way of saying meal timing uh, and/or nutrient frequency. Um, basically, how many meals a day do you eat? Right? <laughs> studies studies have shown us that it doesn't really matter too much, actually. Um, so whether you prefer to eat two meals per day, four meals per day, or six meals per day, your metabolism and phallus results will show really no difference. Maybe a little difference depending on your situation. There are some populations that work better with more meals because of hormonal or digestive issues. But for the most part, we don't really see any difference, right, between the the options as long as your calories are where they need to be and are met daily. Um, and that's and that's the fact with with research is that it's hard to pinpoint that because the study p- participants don't explain. Um, Number one, we're looking at averages, not individuals in those studies. But number two, they don't describe every population that we could potentially work with. Chronic fatigue, chronic diet, chronic stress individuals are usually not in meal planning research, right? Um, Participants usually don't have a history of thyroid dysfunction, so on and so forth. But um, this is why like we use the science to be like, okay, so according to science, how many meals a day you you eat doesn't matter, which just kind of lets us know that calories matter most, and and we can keep that at the the forefront. Um, The thing here is that when it comes to building muscle, studies have shown that three to five meals per day is going to be most favorable. It's because it allows for an equal distribution of protein throughout your day, keeping not only satiation pretty damn high, but also increasing muscle protein synthesis. When muscle protein synthesis is higher, we are more likely to recover faster and rebuild muscle tissue more effectively, and both of those things will lead to more muscle gain, obviously. Um, the reality here is that most of us want fat loss, not just weight loss. And if that's true for you, I'd highly consider eating three to five meals per day simply because it's going to allow for that muscle growth response to be better for you. And whether your main goal is to build muscle or not, it will help you burn more body fat because you're maintaining more muscle mass and you're training harder in the gym because of that. Um, so where does this become individualized? Right? Like, well, The choice is yours, uh, which is literally the definition of individualization. It's your definition, right? Um, But here's what we consider when deciding a meal schedule for a client at our company. Number one, what is your schedule? When do you go to sleep and wake up? What time is your work? When are you off? Is it a different day to day? Uh, When do you realistically have breaks to sit down and eat a whole food meal? I wanna know your day to day, right? Number two, when's your workout? Working out determ- Workout timing determines a lot of this. Uh, do you like to eat right before or hours prior? Like what do you do best with? I know like I function best if I have my meal like th- two to three hours prior. I can't eat right before I go into training. Um, do you train first thing in the morning or do you train later in the evening? That's another thing. That, that determines how many meals you get in before those and the composition of those meals. Um, and it determines what your post-workout meals look like. Um, number three, what's your goal and where are you in your journey? Are you striving to get big and lean or lean out? Like, are you in a deficit? If so, you may benefit from three large meals, just to keep you full. But what if you're in a surplus? If that's the case, you might benefit from six meals. stable, just to make it easier to reach your daily calories because you're eating so much food. Um, and last but not least, number four, what's the end physique we're building? right? If you want to be muscular or have real definition at the end of your cut, we want to optimize muscle protein synthesis to make sure you're keeping muscle mass. Um, And because of that, I'm probably not going to recommend eating less than three meals a day, Um, right? But the other thing to consider here too is, again, I mentioned your schedule at the beginning, but if we look at your schedule, we can customize a diet that fits the times of days that you can eat with low stress. What if I give you six meals a day and you're like, Fuck, I have four breaks that I can eat, but now I'm stressed out because two meals a day I'm cramming down my throat or I'm trying to carry around Tupperware stuff. If I know your schedule at the beginning, I'm just going to say, hey, let's eat four meals a day. Right? Typically, four to five meals per day is usually where people's sweet spot is in my experience, but point being is if I know your schedule, I know when you're training, I know what your goal is, I know where you're at in your journey already, and I know where the end goal is, like where you want to be in six months to a year. It makes it 10 times easier to help you properly distribute these meals, and that is going to go a long way um, in not only adherence to hitting your calories, but also your digestion, your energy, your performance, your recovery, your stress management, sleep, all those things. Um, Number seven, almost to the end here, guys. Number seven is supplementation. Um, As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Legion supplements, so obviously I recommend everything they have. Uh, you can head over to buy boomboom boom, boom, and you can type in the promo code boom 20 and you will receive a 20% discount on your first order. Um, but everything they use is really, it's, it's really science driven and it's backed by lab results that are viewable to people online labdoor.com, which is really, really powerful, but supplements come after all of the above, everything I've already talked about because they're exactly what their definition states they're here to supplement an already sound nutrition plan, which is actually why I love Legion so much because on the homepage, that's exactly what Mike says, the owner, Mike says, in the video. He says, hey, just so you know, you don't need supplements, but if you're gonna take them, let me tell you why you should take these ones, right? And I think that's a really, really good way to approach it because it's honest. Uh, But when it comes to creating an individualized plan for someone We absolutely do consider supplements because everyone is in need of something different and has different goals. Whether we're talking about joint health, fat loss, strength, and performance, better digestion, improved cognition, nutrient absorption, insulin sensitivity, supplements play a role and can help out quite a bit, especially because it's very hard to get everything you need within one single diet from food, right? Um, So to break this down, let's split it up by goal, right? If you have a bloat gas or digestive issues, um, there's a few things I would consider. One of them would be an apple cider vinegar capsule multiple times a day um, digestive enzymes with meals work great as well. A greens powder drink in the morning is awesome. And last but not least, uh, the gut product by Legion. So apple cider vinegar capsules are something you take with meals, um, helps with acidity, helps with digestion, helps with bloating, helps with water retention, digestive enzymes, same thing. It helps break down the macros you're consuming that meal. Greens powder is like a multivitamin, but it's going to have added digestive enzymes, probiotics, um, and different types of nutrients that you probably won't find in your diet and or multivitamin. Um, Legions even includes adaptogens, which is really cool. So it has a hormonal benefit as well. Um, And then their gut health has enzymes, has berberine for insulin sensitivity, has a bunch of different things in it. I take that every single day. Um, Actually, take both of those every single day. Um and if all that doesn't help or you just need a little bit more, I would consider a fiber supplement. Um but I've actually rarely ever had to to resort to that or to prescribe a fiber supplement to people. Um, you know, you could always just have a quest bar every day, fit a quest bar in your macros. But essentially if you have a fiber gummy or something like that every day, it's going to help a little bit more. Um for fat loss, to be honest, this is the shortest list. Uh, I would consider a uh, – like, Yohimbine is, is like, the number one thing. L-carnitine has some research that shows, like, during f- cardio, like, fasted cardio or pre-workout, um, it can ha- enhance mental focus during training and possibly fat utilization as a fuel source. But it's very limited research, and it's, it's I'm skeptical of it because – uh, experience doesn't show that great of a difference. And, and I believe it's, and this is the same thing with Yohimbine, which is the next thing I'm going to get into. Uh, both of these, uh, have studies to prove that they may work. Um, Yohimbine is, is, is more of an extreme setting, but I would probably bo- use only these for competitors or people who are getting extremely lean right before a photo shoot or something like that. It's kind of like the last resort 1% change, maybe. So at that point, you're like, I'll do anything to try to get better. And I think that's fine. But if you have 20 to lose, 10 pounds lose, 10 pounds lose just not going to do much, right? Um, uh, But I'd focus on everything else with supplements, uh, mainly health before I focus on that. But um, Yohimbine is in one of the fat burners at Legion. So if you're going to take one, I would consider that. I think for fat loss too, something to consider is, yes, like you can take the, I want to say it's, it's either Forge or it's Phoenix. I can't remember which one by Legion, but go check this out. One of them has Yohimbin in it. That's the one I would recommend. But I also recommend a fat burner every once in a while if somebody's struggling with, with hunger. If we are in a timeline-based diet, we know that we have to stay in a deficit and they're experiencing hunger. I'm like, hey, let's take a fat burner because fat burners do have an appetite-suppressant effect, so it might be helpful. Uh, but in general, fat loss is like the the least focused supplementation, for me personally, it just does, it's just not something that actually has much evidence or support behind it. Um, Strength and performance, uh, the biggest one here is definitely creatine monohydrate, because it's been tested over and over and over again, Um, and not once has a study proven anything negative against it, really. It's shown to improve recovery and performance, leading to better strength, muscle gain, and even fat loss. Creatine actually stimulates cognition and memory as well um, in youth and adults, Um, so it's, it's one of those supplements that's just that's just beast. I always recommend, if you're going to do cr- pure creatine monohydrate, go with something that has Creapure pure on it. I like Muscle Feast. Um, if you want something that's more like all-inclusive and it's like a post-workout creatine shake, uh, which is what I do, I would go with um, Legion's uh, Recharge, which is their post-workout. Um, the reason I'm so excited about Legion Beyond the team is because they literally have everything that I would want a supplement company to have, and it's all backed by research, and it's actually formulated and dosed properly, which is amazing. Um Whey protein is the other one for strength performance. Um, it, it's really just a, a substitute for protein when you can't get it in a meal or you need something quick because it's obviously the fastest digesting protein and it's the most rich in leucine. Um, nutrient absorption would be uh, another reason to supplement. Um, for this, we can consider all the supplements in the digestion category as well because if you can digest well, you can have better nutrient absorption. Um, but we could add glucose disposal agents into the mix. This could be a GDA blend supplement or even something like pure berberin or a gut health product like balance, like I said before, which has berberin, but berberin is known to be a very good insulin mimicker. Um, So it actually uh, replaces metformin, which is prescription grade for diabetics. So might be uh, helpful for some people. Glucose disposal agents were definitely hyped up. I think they're not as great as people made them believe out to be, but they do work um, depending on how you take them. So um, I, I would recommend them to some people. Um, but I would probably recommend Balance more than anything or just pure berberine. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is is consider fish oil and omega-3 supplementation um, as it will improve insulin sensitivity over time as well if you consistently take it. And it's just an amazing health one. Um, and then the last but not least, joint health. Um, this, in my opinion, is dictated more through nutrition, smart training, and proper recovery. But if I were to add supplementation for it, um, I would say fish oil. Once again, uh, Legion has that as well. Turmeric, which is a good one. Tur- turmeric or uh, curcumin, which I want to say vital No, it's not vitality. Fortify is the is the joint supplementation at Legion. I take that as well. It has that in it, which is great. Um, they have everything. It's kind of fucking crazy. Um, and if you, if you're really experiencing joint health or issues or tendon issues or anything like that, collagen would be helpful. Collagen or bone broth based supplements is always a plus. Um, I use Vital Proteins for collagen when I do consume it. Um, understand that I'm leaving out a lot here that could benefit you too, uh, but could also easily be consumed via whole foods like vitamin D, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, um, a bunch of other vitamins and minerals. Um, Just taking a multivitamin is probably your best bet. But um, I I wanted to go over like the main ones that aren't obvious, right? So now um, it's about deciding exactly what you need in out of that list and then running down the list and incorporating whatever the supplements are, whether that's a few or a bunch. I, I personally take a lot of supplements because I want that upper edge, right? Um, and number eight today, the the eighth reason why or how to individualize your diet is accountability. Honestly, this is the icing on the cake because all the information in the world, it won't truly work if you don't consistently utilize it. And one of the easiest ways to be sure that you are consistent is to be held accountable by a coach. Why even as coaches, everyone on my team has a coach too. Uh, I have a coach. I have multiple coaches. We value that more than anything else because it's the glue that holds all the strategies together and leads to serious results. So I'm not going to dive too much into accountability because I think you know it's proven by studies. It's proven by experience. It just works. It's one of the most helpful things and it's one of the most standout things that clients talk about with us that allows them to actually achieve results. It's the outstanding accountability and support they get that leads to the success they have. Um, strategies are important too, but that's like the big thing. Now, what I would say is like I mentioned in the intro, if you want help, if you are stuck, if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need a way to break through, if you've quote unquote tried it all and you don't know what else to do, or if you just can't figure out how to be consistent, you listen to this podcast all the time. You're like, Fuck, I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this. I know that broccoli is healthier than a pop tart, but I can't get results because I can't stay consistent please reach out to us. This is what we do full-time. Every single person on my team is 100% committed and dedicated to being the best coaches in the field. That's why we have the name Tailored Coaching Method. So if that is you, if you want help, we would love to help you and we'd love to give you a free strategy call to get you on your way. You can click the link in the description of this podcast. It'll take you to an application form. Fill that out. We'll be in touch within 24 hours. Set up a call and we'll get the ball rolling. So that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you take this information and use it right away